Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, we begin our year in review with a look back at the stories and statistics that defined us in 2023. We'll speak with the executive editor of the World Almanac and Book of Facts. Also this morning, remember and commit. The theme of World AIDS Day resonates throughout the month as global health advocates continue to work toward a day when HIV is no longer a public health threat. And the countdown to Christmas is on. Americans spend an average of six weeks planning for the perfect holiday. The last thing you want is for a seasonal respiratory illness to ruin the celebration. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Monday, December 18th, 2023. If you are among those who have done all of your shopping, you have this ready, you're ready to go. Um, My wife and I are. I think we're absolutely ready to go. Take a deep breath. We got the shopping done. Now it's just wrapping it and all of that. But in any event, if you have all of your shopping done, you might want to uh, check your list twice before you put those toys under the tree Pediatric emergency medicine physician Dr. Megan Martin of Johns Hopkins All Children's Hospital has issued a warning about potentially dangerous Christmas gifts for children. A video that she posted on social media highlighting the top five items to avoid. Now, these are not specific gift items per se here, rather dangerous characteristics that gifts may have that you might want to avoid for the little ones. First and foremost, she says, uh, avoid items with button batteries. Uh, They could pose a risk of ingestion, those uh, little disc batteries. And I I would have to say, I would kind of qualify that because a lot of those, a lot of gifts have those, have those little button batteries, but most of them uh, have uh, battery compartments that screw shut to make it virtually impossible without getting out a screwdriver to get those batteries loose. So just check and make sure that the uh, kids can't get a hold of those uh, batteries. But those little button batteries can certainly be very dangerous. Water beads. Uh, that if swallowed can cause bowel obstructions. That's actually been in the news. Concerns about these water beads. Um, Electric scooters lead to quite a few emergency room injuries. So electric scooters said think twice about those. Hoverboards, same deal. A lot of uh, injuries. And uh, fire hazards on the hoverboards as well with the uh, batteries and uh, so on. And trampolines. Dr. Martin strongly discourages trampolines, home backyard trampolines, as they contribute to frequent emergency room visits and orthopedic injuries. So things you might want to avoid under the tree this year. Bah humbug. But no, I mean, it's serious stuff. So things to keep in mind because we don't want the kids to get hurt. I want to check your list twice for some of those dangerous toys. So college football uh, underway over the weekend. Did you see any of the uh, early college bowl games? Probably the best one (laughs) over the weekend was uh, the uh, Cure Bowl in Orlando. It was on Saturday, and it rained for like 24 hours. I mean, downpours in Orlando for 24 hours, and it was a muddy mess in Orlando, that game. I mean, 13 fumbles in that game, the uh, Cure Bowl. Uh, Miami of Ohio came up short against Appalachian State, but it was just, it was fun to watch. I had to be just miserable to play uh, in with all of the uh, rain and all of that. But um, the most bizarre of the early bowl games if you happen to catch the LA Bowl on Saturday night. Rob Gronkowski uh, was the quote-unquote host of the bowl game. You might remember last year it was Jimmy Kimmel was the, the host of the bowl game and actually had his name on the LA Bowl you know, paraphernalia or whatever. His name was actually part of the bowl. 
How about that? Having an, an actual bowl named after you as, as the host of the bowl. Well, this year it was uh, Rob Gronkowski. It was the uh, Gronk L.A. Bowl or the L.A. Bowl hosted by Gronk. I don't know. Anyway, the, how they uh, termed it. But the most bizarre scene, Rob Gronkowski, former New England Patriots and Tampa Bay Buccaneers tight end, joined the New Directions Veterans Choir in singing the national anthem before the game. <laughs> Gronk actually sang the national anthem with the choir. Um, in a promotional video released a few days before the game last week, he admitted he is not much of a singer. But uh, he was hoping that the choir would help him look good. <laughs> or sound good, as the case may be. The voices of the choir would drown out uh, his uh, caterwauling there. <laughs> That's just bizarre. Rob Gronkowski singing the national anthem before the L.A. Bowl. Uh, UCLA knocked off Boise State in that one, 35-22. to 22. So bowl season is underway now. I don't know what to make of that. Uh, you know you've reached critical mass when you have Rob Gronkowski uh, as, like, the namesake of a, <laughs> of a college bowl game. That's how you know you have too many of them. But anyway, uh, let's see here. A couple of other uh, items among the first things you need to know this morning. The most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day to get your Monday started. This is research from the file of Duh, a new report from Gallup. They surveyed 5,000 adults across all 50 states, and they have found, are you ready for this? I hope you're sitting down. Americans' mental and physical health has suffered since 2019. No kidding. <laughs> yeah, that is from the file of duh. More Americans, they say, are being treated for high blood pressure and high cholesterol in 2023 compared to before the pandemic. Fewer respondents today versus 2019 are active every day, and only 20, uh, 28.6% of those in the survey say they are in near-perfect health. In 2019, that was 38.1%. Now, I would argue that even in 2019 pre-pandemic, 38.1% of Americans were not in near-perfect health, but that's what they said in 2019. Whether they actually were or not, that's what they believed. And they also go on to say that obesity rates have increased by about 6% since the start of the pandemic. Well, again, not a big shocker there. But as far as the obesity rate is concerned, this may be why research out of the Ohio State University finds that Americans these days are snacking so much that it amounts to consuming an extra meal every day. They collected data from 20,000 people and crunched all the numbers, finds that the average American consumes 400 to 500 calories from snacks daily, and that represents uh, roughly 20%, one-fifth of our total caloric intake. For some people, a little more. For some people, a little less. But right around 20% or one-fifth of our total caloric intake daily is from snacking. And here's the thing. We don't think about this because it's not a formal meal, so we are less likely to track it. And these snacks typically lack nutritional value, any sort of meaningful nutritional value. Um, senior author of the study, Christopher Taylor, says snacks are contributing to a are, are contributing a meal's worth of intake to what we eat without it actually being a meal. Uh, so the long and short of it is, they say we should plan. The snacks that we eat in the same way that we plan our meals in order to cut down on thoughtless snacking. So, though I'm thinking this time of year is probably not the best <laughs> time to encourage us uh, to do that. Well, it's a good time to encourage us to do that because we do a lot of snacking right around the holidays. But it's not a good time of the year to expect us to do better with our snacking. It's just not going to happen during the holidays. We're going to snack all of the uh, stuff that goes along with the holidays, but interesting research from the Ohio State University. By the way, speaking of snacking, this is important news. Important news for you to know. 
Uh, dozens of granola bars and cereal products are being recalled for a potential salmonella risk. The Quaker Oats Company has issued a recall advising consumers who bought the affected products to just throw them out. They are listed on the FDA site, but uh, basically it's various flavors of the Quaker Chewy Bars and Puffed Granola Cereal. Quaker Chewy Bars and Puffed Granola Cereal, uh, various varieties and flavors, are being recalled. This was announced on Friday, so in case you missed it over the weekend, the granola and cereal products were sold nationwide. The company says they have not received any confirmed reports of illnesses, but at the same time, there may be a salmonella risk, so you want to uh, just pitch them. Just don't. I think we've got some of those in our pantry. I'll have to go and check. You can uh, check the FDA website for the specific uh, varieties and specific lots and all of the details on that, but definitely something you want to check out. Don't want to get sick. Not this week. Not this week. And how about this item among the first things you need to know as we're heading toward another week of work for many people, maybe the last uh, work week of the year ahead of the Christmas holiday. Researchers in Germany have found that the key to improving job satisfaction is limiting social media use. They did this study And they uh, got a bunch of participants who all spent at least 35 minutes a day on social media, divided them into two groups. One continued to use social media the way they always had, and the other cut back or eliminated their social media usage. And at the end of the study, the reduced social media group saw improvements in job satisfaction and decreased FOMO, the fear of missing out. Uh, And the positive effects lasted at least a week after the experiment ended. They conclude that social media may create distractions and prevent workers from interacting with their peers in real life. People who frequently stop what they're doing in order to catch up on their social media feed find it more difficult to focus on their work and they achieve poorer results at work. According to the researchers at Ruhr University Bochum in Germany. So, you want to be more, a greater job satisfaction? Eliminate social media. I think if, I think we go so far as to say you want greater life satisfaction, maybe you eliminate social media. Something to think about here. There you go. Uh, some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Monday morning started. WFIN News, I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather, a chance of snow or rain showers today, a high in the upper 30s, a chance of a snow shower tonight, a low in the mid-20s. The Fostoria Police Department's K-9 Bandit will be receiving a donation of body armor. Bandit will receive the bullet and stab protective vest thanks to a charitable donation from the nonprofit organization Vested Interest in Canines. The charity was established in 2009 with a mission to provide bullet and stab protective vests and other assistance to dogs of law enforcement and related agencies throughout the country. See a picture of Bandit and learn more about the organization Vested Interest in Canines in this story on our website. Ohio U.S. Senator Sherrod Brown has launched his bid for re-election. The senator touched on what he wants to accomplish by staying in office. That includes bringing jobs to Ohio through the CHIPS Act and addressing the fentanyl crisis. We need to work locally. We need to scale up treatment programs. We need to protect our police officers who, when they do a drug bust, um, they have to carry Narcan because they don't know what's going to happen to exposure from fentanyl. Brown has held that Senate seat since 2006. I'm Doug Petcast. Brown will face either Matt Dolan, Frank LaRose, or Bernie Moreno, who are all vying for the Republican nomination. The Salvation Army Finley Corps Red Kettle campaign is entering the home stretch, and Major Mike Morales is confident that they'll reach their $80,000 goal thanks to the generosity of this community. I cannot say it enough, I say it on my posts and everything, that my appreciation for the, for the community helping us as we help their friends and neighbors, it, it's, it's a very heartfelt appreciation. It amazes me. I've been in charge of other Salvation Armies, and it's nothing like Finley-Hancock County. It is just community is awesome. He says the Red Kettle campaign will run until Saturday night at 8. 
The Finley City Planning Commission has approved the site plan review for a Sheets gas station to be located on the northeast corner of County Road 220, North Main Street, and County Road 99 on the north end of Finley. That'll be just down the road from where the company is building a large food and distribution facility in Finley. Get more on our website. And don't forget, you can always get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. Well, it's an annual tradition right around this time that we speak with the folks from the World Almanac as we prepare to put this year in the books and write a whole new chapter. Sarah Jansen is executive editor of the World Almanac and Book of Facts with us this morning. They are out with their 2024 edition now. And Sarah, that must be quite a job, uh, editing what is the definitive collection of statistics and data for an entire year. I have sometimes uh, trouble just sorting out what I have on my plate from one day to the next. So Yeah, you know, uh, working on the World Almanac is certainly a big job every year. It's a big book, and it takes a lot of work to put together. But we've got a great team, thankfully. If it were just one person working on it, I think it would be uh, a disaster. Um, We're just always trying to pay attention to everything that goes on during the entire year, trying to track all of the events to include in our year in review section, but also trying to identify and discover and then present information that we think our readers are going to need in the upcoming year. So yeah. it's kind of a, a dual miss, a dual mission for the World Almanac and Book Facts. So, of course, as you mentioned, the Almanac begins with a review of the most noteworthy events of the past year and the World at a Glance page, which highlights some of the more surprising stats that kind of define where we are as we close out 2023. What were some of the things that stood out most to you? You know, it's always so hard to pick the few things that we feature in this section. I think it really gives a good sense, though, of just how much and how quickly things are changing. We try to do some, you know, comparative statistics showing, um, you know, how much, for example, home loans have changed in the last 10 to 20 years. Oh, yeah. How much, how much, uh, U.S. public school students' achievement rates have gone down since the beginning of the pandemic. You know, these are sorts of, of statistics that can give you a really interesting sense of, you know, the way that things are changing, the the trajectory that we're on, and hopefully uh, allow us to identify room for improvement, places we can do better, but also just give us a, a sense of where we are right now. Uh, one of the favorite sections that I always turn to and look for first when it comes to the year in review is the time capsule that you put together to kind of symbolize how the year will be remembered. And I thought it was interesting. One of the things I know they're in no particular order, but uh, not surprisingly, you have a friendship bracelet from Taylor Swift's Eras Tour, which was the first thing that like jumped out at me. You know, I have to say Taylor Swift has been a performer and a star for over a decade now, but I think 2023 was the year that no one could stop talking about this woman, her, her, uh, you know, extremely successful concert tour, her relationship, um, her extremely uh, successful new album releases. You know, these are, uh, these are conversations that seemingly everyone had an opinion on whether they wanted to or not in 2023. Yeah. Um, and you know, the work, the time capsule in general just allows us to have a little bit of fun and reflect that in ways that maybe the numbers or data don't always allow. So we also included things like uh, the House Speaker gavel, which, you know, had a, a there's quite a big fight over mm-hmm. in a way that we hadn't Twice. seen before in Twice. 2023. <laughs> Twice. <laughs> exactly. And then we also have, you know, again, on the lighter side of things, the last red Netflix DVD envelope, which was sent out at the end of September, yeah. marking sort of the end of an era for what is now a, a streaming and tech giant, but had you know started as you know the cool service that sent you DVDs in the mail at home. Exactly. And uh, speaking of uh, end of an era, uh, one of the other items in the time capsule is the blue check mark and the uh, old logo from Twitter that is now, of course, X. So, you know, again, some of those things that, oh, yeah, I remember that and will definitely be things that we will remember about the year gone by. That's right. And, you know, we have this experience a lot when we put together the World Almanac. You So much happens over the course of a year that it falls into two categories almost either it's 
you can't believe that it was just a year ago that that happened or you can't believe that that happened this year. Yeah. So uh, it's definitely something that we, we sort of run between those two extremes as we're reviewing these kinds of lists and putting them together every and, year. And of course, uh, the Almanac is full of just scores of uh, statistics and lists and so on that are updated with the latest available data. Uh, one of the recurring themes, once again, this year, and you can, you can find it in any number of uh, places within the book, uh, is the way the pandemic has affected and continues to affect so many aspects of our lives. Not so much the pandemic itself anymore at this point, but now the after effects from it. You can definitely kind of see the curve here. Yeah, for sure. This is almost like, you know, the ripples after you throw a rock into a pond. You know, you, you have the the main event that makes a huge splash, and then you also have all of these little echoes elsewhere. With the pandemic, you know, it was interesting. In 2023, um, the public health emergencies ended both globally with the World Health Organization and with the United States' own public health agencies. So not only uh, was the emergency coming to an end, but that meant a lot of the programs that would track the kind of data that was directly uh, created by the pandemic, those all went away. So we were looking at you know, what are numbers that can maybe show us just how much certain things have changed, things that have not changed, um, things that, you know, maybe will never be the same, <laughs> that kind of thing. Um, so we included things like tourism statistics, education data, um, different numbers in population and family movements. So I think it's a, an interesting way to track, you know, this, this mega event that will uh, no doubt be looked at for many years to come and uh, of course looking ahead as we head into 2024 it's presidential election year so there's plenty of data on that among other things yeah you know when we were putting together the world almanac's uh, election feature this year you know we had a lot to keep track of because these things definitely seem to start a little earlier every year or every presidential cycle that i should say um so we have candidate profiles there we've got fundraising data and information about just how much um, campaigns and elections are costing in general, because those numbers just keep going up. And I think most importantly, we have, you know, really great schedule of key election dates. A lot of those primary caucus and state primary dates are shifting in 2024. Um, some of those early states, especially on the presidential side, are happening uh, in different places than they normally would in the schedule. So we wanted to make sure that everyone was staying on top of those and uh, doesn't meet miss, doesn't miss their day at the polls in 2024. I mentioned that one of the things that I always look forward to when I get my new copy of the uh, Almanac each year uh, is the uh, time capsule. And I, I'm curious for you, and you have your hand in in all of it, all, I don't know, thousand pages or or whatever it is. What are the what are the things that that you have the most fun with or that you enjoy the most when you're looking at, you know, when you're putting the almanac together? Do you have a, a favorite section or a favorite topic? You know, sometimes it just depends on the day of the week. I, I do <laughs> enjoy working on the time capsule as well. Um, but I also really enjoy working on the year in pictures, which is our full color section. Um, that allows us to give, you know, really great a photographic look at all of the year's events, both on the, you know, serious news side, on the culture side, on the sports side. And then also, you know, take a look at, you know, those we have lost in the past year. This is what we call our farewell section, which has some wonderful photos. Um, commemorating those who have died in 2023. You know, I think at the end of the year, we like to reflect a little bit, you know, remember what has, what has happened and, you know, sort of look ahead to the future. And I think this is a really great way to do that. Yeah. Uh, it, it is, like I said, nearly a thousand pages of just incredible information. No matter where you open the book, to whatever page you land on, there will be something there that will be interesting, fascinating, enlightening. The 2024 World Almanac and Book of Facts is out now. 
looking back at the year gone by, looking ahead at the year to come. And again, Executive Editor Sarah Jansen with us this morning. Uh, you've got more information about it on your website, too, right? Yep, you can go to worldalmanac.com or skyhorsepublishing.com. And you can also just find the World Almanac wherever books are sold. Um, we've got the paperback, which most people are familiar with. We have the slightly larger hardcover format, which I think is a little easier if the, the smaller type size in the paperback is a little hard for you. And then we have our ebook version, which uh, is searchable and portable in a way that a 1,000-page book can never <laughs> quite be. So we've got a lot of different options for you this year. I, I tell you what, though, I mean, even in an, an era when... Uh, you know, you can find information uh, online with just a few clicks. There's something to be said for a physical hard copy of all of this data that is tangible and you can put on your bookshelf, and my my bookshelf would not be complete without it. Sarah Jensen, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it, too. Thanks. to make sure that we got to this before the month of uh, month was out because sort of informally December is HIV AIDS Awareness Month. The 1st of December was the 35th annual World AIDS Day, an annual reminder of the global struggle to end HIV and the stigma that goes along with it. And it's not just other places around the world. This continues to be a fight right here in the United States as well. This year's theme for World AIDS Day was and is remember and commit. Remembering those who have been lost and committing to uh, committed committing to a continued push for a day when HIV is no longer a public health threat. Not long ago, I spoke with Michelle Sandoval-Rosario, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services Office of Infectious Disease and HIV-AIDS Policy, and Martha Robles, Peer Navigation Program Coordinator with the support and advocacy organization Christie's Place. I guess a good place to start, and Michelle, I'll begin with you, uh, is with that reminder that despite all of the progress that has been made over the past 35 years, HIV still is a public health threat. Yes, absolutely. Although we've made significant progress with medication and science, we know that there are still certain communities that are disproportionately impacted. So we really want to use this year's theme, Remember and Commit to most importantly, not only remember those who we had unfortunately lost in this fight, but also for us to think about and re-energize the community, what we need to do to end the HIV epidemic. We need to do a better job educating our communities because, as I mentioned, unfortunately, there are still communities that are disproportionately affected by HIV, and it's really up to us to work together to educate and provide all the information they need to protect themselves, seek treatment, and get tested. Martha, I want to uh, ask you, because you are uh, on the front lines, again, with Christie's Place, a support and advocacy organization. You interact with uh, these individuals on a daily basis. Uh, you are among them yourself. What is the significance to you of World AIDS Day? For me, it means a lot, especially because I'm a woman living with HIV for the past 23 years. And just knowing that, you know, this is not a death sentence anymore. It's important to let the world know that, you know, HIV is still out there. But also, there's a lot of resources, a lot of support, and no one has to die from this. So it's important to, you know, just um, remind them that it's important also to get tested and, and just um, support us with, um, you know, fighting against the stigma and all the other um, factors that are not allowing the community to get tested and, and get in, in care. So uh, for me, it means a lot. Now, Michelle, you mentioned uh, that there are certain communities that are still, even in 2023, disproportionately affected by this. I know the Hispanic and Latino communities are one of those. How do you focus the message to that particular community 
again in this effort to end the HIV epidemic? Thank you for the question. So as you mentioned, uh, the Latino community is one of those communities that are impacted. And one of the things that we've been working really hard at the federal level in collaboration with all of our partners, most importantly with community-based organization, is to create awareness campaigns to educate the community. I want to just take a minute to highlight our recent campaign, which is called Celebro Mi Salud, which is a Spanish language version of I'm a Work of Art campaign. And this is a very special storytelling campaign because it features diverse group of Latinos in the community who are sharing their stories, living with HIV, how they've been able to thrive and continue to live healthy lives, being on medication, and educating our community that HIV AIDS is no longer a death sentence, as Martha mentioned. So it's very important to get these campaigns out in multiple languages, in this case, in, in Spanish languages, because we know that language barriers is what's preventing a lot of our community from accessing care. And then we're hoping that this campaign will really resonate with individuals in the community who are struggling to get tested because of stigma or not being accepted. So we're very excited about the campaign. And those are some of the things we're doing to continue to increase awareness. Now, uh, you mentioned the goal of awareness with the I Am A Work Of Art campaign, but yet that is only one of the barriers that this community has to achieving and maintaining viral suppression uh, for those living with HIV. What are some of the other barriers and how can you overcome those? So some of the other barriers that we know communities experience is racism, discrimination, um, access to services because of poverty, um, migration patterns. So, you know, we have many individuals who don't speak or know the culture here. So it's difficult for them to navigate the healthcare system. So there are many barriers. And then as you heard us say stigma, there's still a lot of stigma where individuals are not seeking care because they're being stigmatized by other communities. So for us, it's really increasing awareness. For those of us, for those of you listening right now, you all have a role in addressing the stigma in any HIV epidemic. We do that by educating ourselves, educating our family, our friends, our loved ones. So it's very important that we continue to raise awareness because as Martha mentioned, this is no longer a death sentence and HIV AIDS does not discriminate. Anyone that is sexually active is at risk and needs to know the status and understand what services there are to help them. You are not alone. There are many resources that are available to you. Martha, do campaigns like this really make that big of a difference? Oh, yes, it does. Yes, it does. I'm coordinating a group of six women living with HIV. So one of the things that we do is um, train them to be peer advocates, right? And um, and also, we have another group that is for um, promotores de salud, which is um, health promoters. And that's one of the things. Another other things that we do is go out there and do outreach and talk to the community, you know, let them know about this um, condition. And so that's just amazing. Yes, to have that, that opportunity to go out there and talk to the community, let them know that this is important. Please do it. Pay attention. Be transparent. And through the campaign, uh, you know, many people get very impacted because they don't know. So I believe this campaign, it, it makes a big difference. Again, we're talking about the I Am a Work of Art campaign with the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services Office of Infectious Disease and HIV AIDS Policy and their partners uh, in this. Where do we get uh, more information? Well, to learn about everything we discussed today, including the campaign, visit HIV.gov. And please share it with your colleagues, your friends, and your family. Absolutely. That is the key, spreading the word. And we will have a link on our webpage to help you do that as well. Uh, Michelle Sandoval Rosario from uh, HHS, Martha Robles of uh, Christie's Place. Thank you both for taking the time today. We appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Go to goodmornings.net to learn more. Remember and commit the theme for World AIDS Day and HIV AIDS Awareness Month, 35th annual in the month of December. This is Good Mornings with Chris Oaks on 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com and 95.5 FM. 
We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Dateline, Riverside, California, where a man is behind bars after allegedly pulling off a series of robberies at gunpoint while dressed as a clown. (laughs) While dressed as a clown. Now... I think anyone who would do something like this is a is a clown anyway. But this guy uh, fully embraced it. And a couple of things that uh, stood out to me and made me chuckle about this story. First of all, the guy's name, the real-life Joker, identified as 23-year-old Jesse James Swanson. Jesse James. <laughs> it's his real name. I kid you not. I looked it up to double-check. Jesse James Swanson, age 23, is accused of robbing three convenience stores... Uh, Earlier this year, he was arrested and charged with armed robbery, weapons violations, and possession of stolen property. Uh, He is currently being held on $100,000 bail. The other thing that caught my eye about this story made me chuckle. Uh, It says here, another man suspected of driving a getaway car is still at large. Probably would not be that difficult to spot, right? He's probably got, you know, 20 or 30 other people in the car with him. You know, the clown car thing and all of that <laughs> just look for somebody <laughs> with 20 people piling out when the uh, car stops that may be your man <laughs> uh let's see elsewhere in the uh, broken news actually kind of a, a light day in the broken news not a whole lot going on uh this is kind of interesting boy you know the old uh, saying with friends like this who needs enemies a memphis woman is under arrest after allegedly shooting her friend in the chest while the pair were quote-unquote joke fighting they say a witness told police that the victim and the suspect uh were joking about fighting each other when tyosha rogers unaware apparently that the gun was loaded shot the victim once in the chest (laughs) the joke fighting turned very serious very quickly what do you what do you say when you accidentally shoot a friend in the chest oops i mean (laughs) that seems hardly uh that just seems like it's not enough to just say oops is it Uh, Ms. Rogers was arrested, now faces charges of aggravated assault and reckless endangerment. Um, The report says that the victim was not fatally wounded in the attack, but no uh, further word on her current condition. She will be apparently okay, but we don't know how exactly she's doing right now. Probably looking for a new best friend when she gets out of the hospital, I would think. Um, and speaking of this, a similar type of uh, story, you got to wonder sometimes it's not your friends. Sometimes it's your family members that you got to wonder about, uh, in Florida. And I don't know exactly where in Florida this is, but it says a Florida man has been arrested and charged with attempting to poison his nephew after allegedly pouring Visine over a meatball sandwich that he then served to the victim. The uh, suspect, James Leach, age age 45, opened a container uh, of food and proceeded to pour the eyedrop solution all over the meatball sandwich. Apparently, he bought this for his nephew, poured uh, Visine all over the sandwich. Uh, When a store worker warned Mr. Leach uh, that that could be very very dangerous he's he replied ah it's only going to cause him to puke his brains out it'll be funny uh no it's more serious than that the active ingredient in visine uh tetrahydrozoline hydrochloride can actually be lethal if ingested so a little bit more serious than just puking his brains out uh after being summoned To Mr. Leach's home, police questioned him and the nephew, who had consumed a small portion of the sandwich. The victim ultimately refused medical treatment. According to the report, Mr. Leach was charged with poisoning the food, and uh, uh, he's now in jail. Bail set at $50,000. Additionally, a a judge has ordered Mr. Leach, who has pleaded not guilty, to have no contact with the victim. So, 
that probably saves them from a very awkward Christmas gathering. Very, very awkward family Christmas gathering. <laughs> Everybody coming over to our house. We're going to have meatballs with a side of Izine. That's... What do you do? Oh, it'll be funny. He'll puke his guts out. It'll be hilarious. Man. And finally this morning in the uh, broken news, and this is a story with a, a happy ending, but wow, what an experience. What a crazy experience. A new grandmother uh, in the Los Angeles area. A new grandmother being hailed as a hero after delivering her daughter's baby right there in the middle of a busy intersection in L.A., a very pregnant Rosie Rodriguez and her husband Miguel were being driven by her parents on the 5, the I-5 freeway from their home to an area hospital. It's time for the baby to come. Well, guess what? Rosie figured out that the baby wasn't going to wait to get to the hospital. So Rosie's father got off the highway, pulled over near the intersection of Slauson Avenue and Telegraph Road in the city of Commerce, California. Uh, Rosie's mother jumped in the back seat with her and was the first to welcome Eslin Sol Rodriguez into the world. <laughs> Grandma delivered the baby. Uh, paramedics arrived shortly thereafter, and the newborn baby girl is reportedly in good condition. Everybody is doing fine, even Grandma, who has uh, quite a story to tell. <laughs> that is awesome, though. There you go. Uh, that is today's Broken News Report, an update on the odd and unusual side of the headlines. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. WFIN is your home of Finley Trojan Basketball. This is Tim Montgomery. Join me and Coach Cliff Height as we follow Jim Rookie's Trojans throughout the season. From the opening tip to the final buzzer, you'll get every drive, every dunk, and every free throw. Up next on Tuesday night, the Trojans take on Anthony Wayne. The Finley Trojans play here on 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com, and 955 FM. And now your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. I am not so naive as to think we are going to necessarily settle this debate here. However, with the holiday season comes the onslaught of Christmas movies, and while some classics are indisputably Christmas flicks, Elf, Miracle on 34th Street, etc., some others have long been a subject for debate. A new YouGov poll finds that only 39% of Americans consider Die Hard to be a Christmas movie. Half of Americans say it is absolutely not a Christmas movie. Again, I'm not so naive as to think we're going to settle this debate, but I'm just telling you this is what the latest got. As a matter of fact, it's kind of interesting. The opinion varies on Die Hard by age. Most adults, 45 and older, who were in their teens when the film came out, do not believe it's a Christmas film. 51% of those 45 to 64, 70% of those age 65 and over say it is not. Only 32% of those 18 to 29 and 36% of those between 30 and 44 years of age agree. Uh, the other big movie that is, is it or isn't it a Christmas movie, Love Actually. 50% would categorize Love Actually as a Christmas movie. Interestingly, 79% of those in the poll believe that Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas is a holiday film. So... That's what people say. Uh, by the way, what makes for a Christmas movie? 89% say it has to take place during the Christmas season, which would kind of seem, seem obvious. 72% uh, of people say it needs a heartwarming feel. 72% uh, say a Christmas music soundtrack is key. But only 42% say that a Christmas movie requires any appearance of or reference to Santa Claus. So that's not necessarily required, but there are certain elements that are required for a film to be a Christmas. I'm just going to put it out there. That's just the poll. You can make of that what you will. Agree, disagree, discuss amongst yourselves. 
Well, you know, we mentioned the other day that Americans on average spend six weeks preparing for the perfect holiday. And after all of that shopping and planning and cooking and traveling, nobody wants to spend the holidays sick in bed or even worse, in the hospital. So joining us now is president of the College of American Pathologists, Dr. Donald Karcher. So as we know, Dr. Karcher, it is the season of respiratory illnesses. What are the latest numbers, the latest trends you're seeing? How concerned should we be? Yes. Hi, Chris. Thanks very much for having me. So respiratory illnesses are once again on everybody's mind. And of course, it's the holiday season. We are seeing an increase in respiratory infections in much of the country. This is actually going on in other countries. And, you know, it's not a surprise. It's typical for this time of year. These diseases always increase in the fall and winter months. One of the things that we're very concerned about uh, and others um, is that vaccination rates seem to be lagging in the U.S. right now. You know, Americans are probably vaxxed out with what we've been through in recent years. Mm -hmm. Um, But... Still very important. I checked some numbers with the CDC, and less than 40% of adults and children have gotten the flu vaccine, and less than 20% have gotten the new updated COVID vaccine, including um, adults over age 65. In that group, and we know that group's very vulnerable to COVID, less than 50% have gotten the new updated vaccine. So this is really putting people at risk and may put a damper on holiday celebrations, unfortunately. Now, that was actually going to be one of the things I wanted to ask about uh, mitigating uh, the illness and its effects and and so on. Obviously, uh, vaccination is always the recommended first line of defense. Is it, let me ask it this way, is vaccination so important that if you don't do that, anything else that you may do is, I don't want to say useless, but next to useless? Well, maybe not as effective, but no, you can still do other things. Um, we still strongly recommend that people vaccinate first. But there's a, there's a list of other things that you know we can all do to help mitigate and maybe prevent these infections. One of them is really basic, hand washing. Um, So simple, either with soap and water or hand sanitizer. You know, the old adage about washing your hands with soap and water as long as it takes you to sing happy birthday, that way you know you're washing your hands adequately. Another thing is um, sanitizing surfaces, things like doorknobs, kitchen countertops, grocery basket handles. A quick wipe with a sanitizing wipe can really help Uh, keep the germ level down on those surfaces. Also, there's masking. You know, I know everybody's really tired of wearing masks. Right. But they are very important. Absolutely. Not only to protect yourself, but also to protect others that that you may be around. Now, as we mentioned, we're coming up on the time when we're going to have a lot of uh, gatherings for the holidays, Uh, family members of all ages, especially because we know the very young and the very old are particularly susceptible to these respiratories, many of these respiratory illnesses. So what precautions, what would you recommend that we do to create a safer environment during those holiday gatherings? Yeah, well, the the basic things uh, that we just listed, those are important to do certainly around the holidays. You know, I'm going to emphasize again masking. Um, You know, when we're in crowded places, at the grocery, in a store, on an airplane, and many of us are going to be on airplanes in the coming days, Mm -hmm. wearing that mask can really protect you from getting infected, but also people around you. And that, you know, you may be going to a holiday celebration where maybe there are going to be some older relatives or friends present, or maybe a relative or a friend who may have a weakened immune system. You know, wearing that mask when you're in a crowded situation and also when you're in the presence of those older or maybe more vulnerable people can really help prevent the transmission of these illnesses. You know, one of the other things that was in the headlines uh, not all that long ago uh, was the uh, renewal of the program which provided uh, free COVID tests for households. And, you know, we talk about, you know, testing. Is that still uh, important in 2023 into 2024 in terms of corralling the spread of, uh, of these zones? And what is the importance of testing? Why is this a big deal? So it is still important uh, because, first of all, you want to know what infection you may be dealing with. 
um, the symptoms of these respiratory infections are all very similar. We've had them all, sore throat, cough, sniffles, fever, muscle aches. You really can't tell what you have from the symptoms. So if you have symptoms, testing can be very uh, helpful. You know, we, you mentioned about the COVID uh, uh, at-home tests. Mm-hmm. They're also at-home tests for flu. Some kits you can actually test for both COVID and flu with the same test kit. Um, those help you maybe diagnose what you might have. Um, and if you're negative, they may rule out that you have an infection and you might be dealing with something else. You know, another important thing to do is if you know you're going to be around a vulnerable person and for one reason or another, maybe they haven't been vaccinated, maybe testing just to see if you may have the virus on board, even if you have no symptoms, might be very helpful, particularly around this time of year where, where you may be visiting with those uh, people more frequently that is a um, that is a very good like- point well I, I just to interject that is a very good point and I want to make sure that we underscore that uh, going back to something we learned during the covid pandemic it is possible to be a carrier without actually displaying any symptoms yourself absolutely um, you can have the virus on board you can actually be shedding virus in other words able to spread it to other people yeah. before you have symptoms so even if you have no symptoms Testing uh, in certain circumstances may be very helpful. And then you were going to make another point uh, before I interrupted. So go ahead and and, uh, finish your thought there. Well, no, I just wanted to emphasize one thing about at-home tests. You know, it's really important when uh, when we run these tests that we read and follow the test instructions to a T. That makes sure that we get the best possible accurate result. Also, we, you know, many of us have these kits around the house. Maybe we've had for a while. Um, Before you use a kit that you've had for a while, check the expiration date that's on the packaging. If it's expired, don't use it because it can give you an inaccurate result. Another thing about testing, you know, the home tests are great and convenient, Mm -hmm. but if you're getting negative results or you're still concerned, consider getting a test run in a clinical laboratory. Those tests tend to be more sensitive. All very important things to remember as we prepare for these holiday gatherings over the next several days and weeks through Christmas and the new year and even in 2024 because it's not like this goes away after the first of the year. We're going to be dealing with this uh, for the next several months. Again, Dr. Donald Karcher is president of the College of American Pathologists. Where do we get more information on all of this? Well, the, the College of American Pathologists website is actually a pretty good source of information. If you go to newsroom.cap.org, there you'll find a checklist of uh, things that we can all do to help mitigate these infections. Dr. Karcher, thanks very much for uh, taking the time. We appreciate it. Thanks, Chris. You have a happy and healthy holiday season in 2024. And with that, we finish up today's podcast. want to thank all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning, of course. And remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each and every day on the program at our webpage, that, of course, goodmornings.net. Coming up tomorrow on the program, analysts view a cooling labor market as a good sign for the economy, although anyone looking for a job might not agree. What is the employment outlook for 2024? So until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow.